Welcome back to Redirected. My name is Andrew East, and I think we can all agree that life is full of unexpected events. And for better or for worse, things don't usually turn out how we think they will. And so I wanted to sit down with people who have encountered some huge unexpected events and excelled through those in order to gain wisdom for myself and then ultimately share that with you guys. Today we sit down with an absolute superstar, Eric Decker, who over the past year and a half or so has become a friend of mine. We both live in Nashville, and so we bump into each other at events, see each other around town, and every time we do see each other, we end up laughing really, really hard. So I think you'll catch on to that during the interview. We have a good time. But Eric spent eight seasons in the NFL, and he also had his own reality show with his wife, Jesse James Decker. It's called Eric and Jesse. So we talk about his football career, we talk about his TV show, and then we also talk about what he's doing now. So he shares a lot of good advice with me and gives some really great insight that I think will apply to each and every one of you. So enjoy this one with Eric Decker. I've enjoyed every time we've hung out, Eric. Yeah. This is, I guess, maybe just our second or third, probably. Yeah, I'd say third at least. Don't shortchange us. No, you're right. It's been good. Maybe it's third, It's been yeah. good every time. Yeah, it has been. Sean always laughs. She brings us up frequently. She's like, I still can't believe when we were in Stagecoach, yeah. at Stagecoach together, we had that moment. We did. Where, where, where we locked up. <laughs> it was like, I'm not letting go until you look away. We were just staring each other's <laughs> eyes because Eric holds some intense eye contact. And I was like, I'm not going to break away. Eye contact's anyway, important. It is. You know? It is. Sometimes I, I like to cheat it and look at the forehead just so I don't get uncomfortable. Don't, dude. Now you're getting in my head. <laughs> you make everybody uncomfortable by doing that. <laughs> so thank, thank you for coming to yeah, man. hang out. This is... Uh, this Look at the nice tan. Were you on vacation or something? Dude, we went to Portugal. Yeah. Have you ever been? I've never been. You ever been to Spain? I haven't been anywhere besides London, and I've been dreaming. And it's on my bucket list to make the trip to Italy, Spain, Greece, Switzerland. Like, th- that area is somewhere I want to spend some time. You waiting for the kids to grow up a little bit? Yeah. It's hard. That'd be good. Yeah. Where did you grow up? Minnesota. Hey. What part? So it's a small town called Cold Spring. It's central Minnesota. Okay. Right there in the dab of the farms and the lakes. Gotcha. Just a prodigy athlete from the get-go or? Um, you know, I think I was just, I loved competing. I love sports. I remember growing up, I wore a Curry Puckett jersey who played for the Minnesota Twins back in the 80s and 90s every day because I wanted to be a professional baseball player. That was my first passion. My yeah. first dream was to be a professional baseball player. And I feel like, I guess, somewhat destined to always play athletics because that's all I dreamed about. That's all I thought about was sports. And, you know, I never was like the best at any sport, but it's always good. And I was always going to outwork people. And I think that work ethic has really gotten me to, you know, where I am today and the career I had. And did you have any brothers or sisters? I had an older sister. Was she athletic? She's very athletic. I, I did grow up in an athletic family. So my dad's side, my uncle played basketball, football in college. My aunt played basketball and actually played professional basketball back in the day. My uncle played football, played a little professional football as well. I got a cousin on my mom's side that's a professional hockey player for Buffalo. Really? Still? And Yep, still. Wow. He's younger than I am. Just I feel like I, yeah, it's a family of athletics. So I have those genes, I guess. And my sister went to Columbia and ran track and cross country. Columbia, the Ivy League? Ivy League in New I York. I had a cousin that went there. Is that right? Graduated 2014. I don't know if they would have. Man, that is the most expensive school, but it's beautiful. (laughs) It's awesome, dude. Oh, my gosh. I mean, anywhere out east, if you're able to go to an Ivy League school, I mean, you're very blessed to have that opportunity, but she's paying for it. Yeah. That's for sure. She's still there? No, but I mean. Oh, I got you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Student loans. loans. (laughs) I got you. Adds up quick. You went to University of Minnesota. 
Was that the easy choice for you? I had an interesting route really because so I was such a homebody and being from a small town, my town was 3,000 people, sure. small school. I got invited to do, do different camps, but I, I never wanted to because I love baseball. So I played summer baseball a lot. I loved going to the lake. I just loved kind of that routine I had in the summertime. Mm-hmm. So finally, I got kind of pressed from my high school football coach to go to this one-day Minnesota camp. He's like, you need to go. This is a great opportunity to get in front of coaches. I was like, all right, I'll go. So I had a basketball game that night. My mom drove me down. We got into Minneapolis at like 11 o'clock. I woke up the next day, went to the camp. And at this point, I was a junior, about to be a senior. And I'm thinking, I'm going to go to St. John's University, which is a Division three school. Like, it's easy. It's close to because home. Because it's close to home? Close to home. I could play all sports I wanted to. And it was comfortable because that was the life I knew at that point. And went to the camp and Coach Mason, who was the head coach at the time, said, come to my office. And he offered me a scholarship right there. He's like, go home, talk to your parents, think about it. I was like, no, no, I'll take it. I'm, I'm coming. That was your first D1 scholarship? First D1 scholarship and only. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow, man. We kind of had parallel. I mean, like I was not recruited at all. I, th- I thought I was going to go to D3 Wheaton in Chicago. Is that right? And uh, Vandy was the only school to offer me out of the blue. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm coming. That's awesome. For sure. And you, like, record-setting career in Minnesota, right? Like, pretty... Uh, yeah, I think a few uh, records for sure. Um, <laughs> for sure. For sure. <laughs> Off the top of my head. No, I had a great career, and I was lucky to have a really good quarterback. Adam Weber was my quarterback all four years I played because I redshirted, and he did not. I mean, you know, we had some tough years record-wise, but we had a lot of fun together as far as individually playing together. So it was a great experience, dude. I I loved, I guess, my path, you know, because it's always the underdog role. Like I I had, you know, friends and people in in high school be like, dude, just go to St. John's. You'll know you'll be the man or successful there. Minnesota, you might get lost or you might not even play. Even after you got the scholarship, they're saying that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that, that was kind of the mentality I always had was like, all right, well, I'll show you, you know, the underdog role. And then even got into college, and Minnesota's not the biggest Big Ten school, and it's not known for football. It's known for hockey. It's known for other sports. And just kept chipping away and just kept grinding. And, oh, you're a a white receiver from a a Big Ten school again. Like, you're all about academics, and you're not going to make it in the league. You know, just kind of always had that mentality. Just And and that's always fueled the fire for me just to keep working and just showing people. You were known for your academics in college. Is that what you're trying to hint? I mean, Minnesota <laughs> has one of the better public research institutions in the country. Just you know, throw okay. it out there. Nice. Yeah. What did you study there? Business. Okay. When did you realize you might have a chance at the league? It was my sophomore year. Sophomore year. Yeah. Wow. Kind of like kind of was mid-year, maybe a little earlier than that. Just started to have more of a breakout year and started to get some recognition and just like thought, you know what, this could be something I could possibly make kind of a career after college and kind of reach my dreams, so to speak. And so that, that kind of, again, was the motivation just to keep chugging along. And, you know, I feel like a lot of people don't realize as athletes, like you sacrifice so much. And I played baseball in college as well. So I never had any real social time outside of, you know, football and baseball. I got one week off after the bowl game in January before I started baseball. Then baseball, we were pretty good. So I didn't get time off until like mid-June for a week I took off before I started kind of the summer workouts for football. So those sacrifices too, just I feel like have made me, again, kind of the athlete and the, the mentality that carried me through my career. Just the, when you say that, are you talking about never 
having the luxury of like complacency. Cause I feel like when I walked into Vandy, it was the same kind of like vibe as you where it was like, I don't feel like I belong here because everybody else has been offered all these different scholarships right. from all these different schools. So I like, I have to work. So I always had this thing of like, are they going to offer me a scholarship next year too? If I don't play well, you're going to take it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's just, I don't know. It's always the chip on your shoulder for right. Not getting complacent, but also like, yeah, last week was good or last year was was a good year but that's not gonna allow me to uh, and maybe it's just the competitor inside of you where like you want to be better than that guy you want to be better than the other team or the, or the best receiver in your league in your conference or you just want to prove people that you are worthy of where you're at right and i, I think it's a combination of things that, that always kind of fed me and just kept me going and you know for me it I always set goals as like short-term goals. What do I want to accomplish as a team? What do I want to accomplish individually? How am I going to get there? You know, mm -hmm. I got to be able to wake up every day and work out and get certain things done, study film. Like, you know, even talking to older mentors on like what made you good or what helped you along your career. And I think just wanting to be fed with knowledge and, and learn from those that have been through it mm -hmm. helped me. Let me ask you this. Because I feel like the burden of choice is like a thing where some people have multiple good options of St. John's or Minnesota or whatever it is for them. You mentioned baseball was like your first main priority kind of yep. to a certain extent. What made you want to go to the, the football route as opposed to the baseball? Obviously, you played baseball, but like it seemed like the football scholarship was what pushed you over the edge. How did yeah. you, you make that decision? I think the scholarship in football allowed me to even go get education. Gotcha. for free in a sense, yeah, yeah. you know, and when I was reaching that kind of pivotal point in my life, like which direction do I go? I actually called Joe Maurer because he had a full ride to FSU, Florida State, and he also was number one draft pick for the Twins, so <laughs> hard decision to make, but right. he's like, dude, you know, you got to just follow your heart. What are you passionate about or what do you want? And it just kind of clicked with me and I thought from a young age, I always wanted to have a family. I was, a, again, a creature of habit. I liked the routine. And baseball, you're on the road 80 plus days a year. And they're long days. You don't realize yeah. like the guys go in two, three hours before a game. The game's four hours. And then you got to recover another hour, two hours afterwards. So that, that's your whole day. And you want to start having kids. Like there's no structure. There's no routine. And football, at least you know, yeah, you're on the road eight times a year, maybe a little bit more. But you're gone for a day or two nights at the most. And you're at home, very structured, and you know what you get. You're going to make it or you're not going to make it. Baseball, you could be riding a bus around in AA for three years before you can get a call to get moved up. And that's, yeah. that's a hard lifestyle. I got some buddies that have been through it and are still going through it. And, you know, for me, it was more of a lifestyle choice. You know, I wanted to know whether I was going to make it or not. If not, I had the education to do something other than sports. And also just, starting a family and, and having that that routine yeah you got drafted to three different teams in professional sports yeah baseball twice and then football what made you not want to so yeah the, the baseball you just explained was there ever any question that you were gonna play professional football or it was like hey you know what i explored both i had the meetings with baseball scouts and i think what it came down to was well you know what can you guarantee me this is say where I was slotted at at that particular time in football. You know, this is the signing bonus. This is kind of the, the contract. Can you even match that? Right. You no. Know? Okay. Well, what's my path going to be? Well, you're going to get in there and we're going to see how you do. Because at that time, I didn't play enough baseball. I didn't play summer baseball. I didn't play fall league. So that's a sport of 
experience of getting the at-bats, getting thousands of at-bats so you can see everything. Because my weaknesses were hitting off-speed like away and just some of the stuff at the plate that I would have struggled with at the major league or even minor league level. And that was, I think, just kind of the light bulb for me. Like, you know what? I'm better at football right now in my life. And it makes sense. You know, I love the game. It's so much more thrilling as, you know, you've been through it, run out the tunnel and having that, that one game you look for every week. And it is the best team sport in America. Yeah. Word on the street is you had the highest Wonderlick test score in 2010. <laughs> oh, God. Is that right? Yeah, that's what they said. I haven't said. heard that Oh, before. yeah, you have. Come <laughs> on, dude. I don't know. They say it's, you know, not that hard of a test. I had the highest to... on any team I was on until Ryan Fitzpatrick came to New York. Yeah. 43? Is that what you're saying? I had a 43. I think he had like a 48 or something crazy. It's out of 50. Right. I don't know. I, I think they always had a, kind of an idea of what the test was like, so it was more of a process of elimination. Like if you read the sentence, you just waste a minute reading. Like, you know, you just got to get to the points. All right, this is a math question. All right, where's the, the points you need to understand to figure out the, uh, the equation? Or this is like, Harry's taller than Susan, but Susan's lower or shorter than Barbara. You know, is Barbara, where's Barbara compared to Harry? Or You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you just got to read through all the words. And that I think a lot of times guys have trouble with finishing the test because you don't have enough time. Gotcha. Where if you have a strategy on how to like approach each question, you can nail them. For those of you who don't know, the Wonderlick is like a test they give. Is it just the NFL? I like think so. Draft guys to like measure intelligence and problem solving or something. I mean, no, I feel like it's just solving to buy basic. time while you're sitting there, <laughs> you know, for a week in Indianapolis. Whoa. Whoa, dude. Jeez, that's where I'm from, man. I love man. Indianapolis. It's a great city. I'm saying that's where they host the combine. And, okay, you know, right. It's basically a meat market. Yes. And they all, all they want to do is see you run or right. see, see how many, you know, how far you could jump. And so through the hours that are kind of wasted, they say, oh, let's just throw a couple of tests at him, make sure he's not crazy or that he can at least write his name and learn a playbook or memorize something. That's, yeah, that's, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Uh, can I ask you what's your vertical? Unless you're a long snapper. What, what, what was your... And you just sit there and just <laughs> Dude, snap. And, am I done, Coach? Enough of the day. I'm in the golf course. Is that, is that usually how it goes? It's a solid. What's film study like for you? To, oh, that doesn't exist. Okay. It doesn't exist. Yeah. yeah. We get like 12 plays of practice, and then the other two hours we just hang out. And then they sit there in the other field, and they throw footballs at the goalpost. Like, all right, let's go to the 20-yard line and see if you can hit the goalpost the first, right? That's... You have no idea how hard it is Couple come, sprints, to, cross to come field, up with enough right, things to keep lift. yourself busy. <laughs> and I'm jealous. What, right. what was your what was your vertical jump though? If you're gonna just sit here and bash us, well, I, I know I, you remember. I never did the combine because I had a Liz Frank, oh. which was like a midfoot dislocation and separation of your metatarsals. So that was kind of again. Liz Frank was your girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. Liz. <laughs> Liz Do you realize? Uh, actually, you don't realize. Fun fact: back in the day, before okay. they figured out how to fix Liz Franks, a lot of horse riders would get them because you get your foot stuck in a saddle and they fall off, and basically Ooh. it would like, kind of like snap your midfoot. They just cut their foot off. Like there's no way to Stop. fix it because you can't walk with them. I mean, it's like it hurts that bad if you get like a very severe one. You can't just like throw it in a cast wait for it a little bit because what happens is like this is where your ankle and heel and stuff are your metatarsals stick out and they separate and it dislocates from this so uh, basically it's like all jacked up you have to come in put screws in hardware i mean it's it was brutal medical tips from dr eric yeah. right there you learn right there. something every day all right the cool thing i like about you is like 
we didn't really know each other in football, so I don't really look at you as a football not, player. Not to, yeah. down, not to downplay you as a football player, but like you're one of those rare guys that has good hair, that decent beard, <laughs> but <laughs> it's getting a little crazy, by the way. Is it? Yeah, but I mean, it's it's fine. It's not as good as mine, but um, I see you trying though. I like it. This is two weeks. Two so weeks. I'm a little embarrassed, but one of those rare guys in the locker room that has so much more than football going on. You know what I'm saying? What was um, the eyebrow for? What? What was that? It was me thinking. Okay. <laughs> so like wa- question, wa- walk saying. me through your NFL career. Was it everything you hoped it would be? I do want to actually briefly talk about before we get into that. I remember you posted about this. It must have been four years ago. That you had the same Chevy Trailblazer. Was oh, that yeah. What, is that what Tahoe. it was? Tahoe. Chevy Tahoe. Chevy Tahoe. All the way through your NFL career. Still have it. You still have that. Thing. Yeah. What's the... What's the thought process behind keeping that same car that must be kind of uh, a decade old? Remembering where you came from, and you know, the hard part with young people in general, when you get money that you've never seen in your life, it's easy to say, "Oh man, this is awesome! I got money to spend. I'm gonna go buy a new car. I'm gonna go buy the biggest house. I'm gonna go take the craziest trip, or do things with your money and kind of throw it away." In that essence, and like that was always kind of my rock, I guess, or foundation. That like, you know, what this is a reminder of the work it took to get to where I was. And when I bought that Chevy Tahoe, which I got from a dealer that they used it in Vancouver for the Winter Olympics, I got a great deal on it. Nice. (laughs) Um, It it just reminded me again of like what it took to get to that point to get that Tahoe and how excited I was driving it from Minnesota to Denver for the first time. Yeah, it just kind of kept me grounded, you know, and uh, it's made it through my career. A lot of things have changed. I, I spray painted like these side panels black because they're rusting out. <laughs> Looked terrible, so I got it wrapped. <laughs> you spray painted it? Yeah. Oh, dude, that's that's not good. Well, the guy that was cleaning the car, he's like, dude, this is kind of rusted up. You probably should bring it in and get it, you know, sanded down and painted. I'm like, can I just take like spray paint? He goes, probably would work, but it wouldn't look good. I'm like, all right. You're a penny pincher, huh? Yeah, a little bit. Certain things. Kids, no. But um, so. <laughs> I retired and I was like, all right, I'm going to get rid of it. But I kept it and we turned it into the Kittnish Mobile. So if you see a pink car rolling around Nashville, Tennessee, it's that's the old Chevy Tahoe Dang. with the cat horn. No Goes, way. <laughs> so like a dead cat. Kittnish is Jesse and Eric's clothing boutique. Yeah, Jesse's. You don't claim it at all. I'm kind of like the. You drive the mobile. I'm I'm kind of like the solve all, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm involved, but I'm not the figure behind it. That's her brand. I got you. I just kind of do all the dirty work. I got yeah. But I'll take credit, yeah. <laughs> okay, so your NFL career. Walk me through it. Was it everything you hoped it would be? It really was. You know, like my goal was to play 10 years and to play for the same team for a long time. And it wasn't that at all. You know, I, I got drafted to Denver in 2010 in the third round. And that day too, because you know my agent was telling me these are the teams interested. I took a lot of visits pre-draft, and I was injured, so there was a lot of uncertainty. Is this guy fast? You know, can he get off the line? Is he gonna be able to play at the NFL level, being from a Big Ten school? And so Denver was one of the teams I thought was gonna take me. And there was teams before that again were interested, but they took other receivers. So I'm like, great. I don't know where I'm gonna go. They drafted Demarius Thomas in the first round, wide receiver who just moved on from Denver last year. Uh, spent eight years there. And I got I got drafted and I was just like, thank God, you know, like this is a good place to go. I love Denver. I love the coaching staff. I get there. I'm still hurt. So I didn't do any OTAs or offseason stuff. You know, my first time practicing was in training camp 
they try to wow. play me as like almost a receiver tight end. So I ended up rolling my ankle and got a high ankle sprain the first week of training wow. camp. Uh, and you came in hurt. And I came oh, in hurt. Man. And it's the same foot. So I'm like mentally just struggling because Josh McDaniels came from the New England tree and they just roll people in and out during yeah. camp. You know, two people cut, two people in. Two people cut, two people in. So I'm, I'm panicked. Like I need to do something to like prove myself before I get cut. What? I came back out. I got my ankle taped, high ankle sprain, which is miserable, and the Liz Frank. And like Champ Bailey's across the line from me, just jamming me up. You know, he's a hall, going to the Hall of Fame this year. <laughs> so I'm just in the dumps, like mentally just tanked. It was a tough year. I started out playing special teams, then was inactive and then played a lot more at the end when the team was struggling and, and Josh McDaniels actually got fired halfway through and kind of found my groove there at the end. And then into my second year, you know, was confident. I guess physically I was back to, you know, who I was before the injury. Greek God. Greek God. Uh, <laughs> I, don't know if we, I don't know if we go that far, but <laughs> thanks, Andrew. Um, and and it just I started to have my career started to build and Peyton Manning came in my third year, had two awesome years went to the Super Bowl, we lost, but like just some of the most fun football I played. And I'm thinking, okay, I had a pretty good career so far. They're going to sign me back. And my agent called John Elway, who was the GM. And they're like, well, just test free agency and we'll come back and see if we match the number. I'm like, no, I want to come to Denver. I want to yeah. stay in Denver. And obviously he didn't want me back. So, you know, that was the first thing for me was like, man, I wanted to stay with this team forever. You right. know, I, want, I wanted to play in Denver and end my career here. I wanted to live there and raise kids there and that's not what happened so I went to New York again first year was a kind of a struggle kind of found my way Ryan Fitzpatrick came in we had a really good year and then the following year started out strong and had to get shoulder and hip surgery and you know then got cut with Tennessee living here it was convenient and um, we went to the playoffs things were good but it just you know my whole outlook of it was my vision completely changed on how I wanted my career to go, but I'm happy now as I step back and look at it, that it went the way it did. I learned so much about myself and going through, you know, adversity of switching teams, being a creature of habit, like living in a small town, knowing everything, being comfortable. Like this brought me outside my comfort zone, doing things and, and making myself, you know, go into different environments that made me grow because I wasn't comfortable it was so important for, again, making me the person I am today. Hmm. So all that said, like, I'm happy and glad my career ended up going the way it did because it gave me everything I needed to live my life from here on out. You know, being 32 and having the rest of my life in front of me, I'm confident to step into any room or any environment and figure it out. You know, uh, it didn't coddle me being with the same team or being comfortable and living in the same town, having to move around a little bit and figure things out was so great, you know, and uh, met so many different friends again, being right. on different teams. So, Looking back, man, it was such a roller coaster ride at times, but it was everything and more than I could dream about. I want to stop for a second and give a shout out to Himalaya. Himalaya is my favorite app to listen to podcasts on. And not only do they have a truly beautiful interface, they also have great search and discover features to help you find new shows. And then they also have some really creative and unique ways for you to help support creators and interact with those creators. So Thank you, Himalaya. Be sure to check them out and follow me if you get the chance. And listen up, Amazon Prime members. For a limited time, you can start an Audible membership and save 66% on your first three months, which is a total of $30 off. That's like getting three months for the price of one. You'll pay just $4.95 per month for the first three months, and after that, it's only $14.95 a month. 
This offer is valid through July 31st. Audible members get a credit every month, good for any audiobook in the store, regardless of price, and two Audible originals. Unused credits will roll over to the next month. If you don't like an audiobook, exchange it for free. Plus, your audiobooks are yours to keep forever, even if you cancel. There are no commitments, and you can cancel anytime. Audible has the largest selection of audiobooks on the planet, which lets you fill your summer in with more stories like Shortcut, How Analogies Reveal Connections, Spark Innovations, and Sell Our Greatest Ideas. This is a book by John Pollock. And on top of audiobooks and Audible Originals, members get access to audio-guided fitness and meditation programs. Visit audible.com east or text east to 500-500 to get started today. That's audible.com slash east, A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot com slash E-A-S-T. Support for today's episode comes from Skillshare, which is an online learning community for creators. With more than 25,000 classes in design, business, and more, you'll discover countless ways to fuel your curiosity, creativity, and career. Take classes in social media marketing, mobile photography, creative writing, or even illustration. Whether you're looking to discover a new passion, start a side hustle, or gain new professional skills, Skillshare is there to keep you learning and thriving. Join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer just for my listeners. Get two months of Skillshare for free. That's right, Skillshare is offering redirect listeners two months of unlimited access to over 25,000 classes for free. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash East. Again, go to Skillshare.com slash East to start your two months now. That's Skillshare.com slash East. Today's episode is also brought to you by Native. As Sean and I look to have our first child, we are really looking to buy high-quality products with safe ingredients. And Native is a deodorant formulated without aluminum, parabens, and sulfates. For those of you who don't know, aluminum may be linked to some serious health ramifications, including breast cancer and Alzheimer. and Native's deodorant is a great alternative to conventional deodorants. It's safe and effective, even though it's priced at a slight premium. I view this as totally, completely worth it. They have over 7,000 five-star reviews. You can see them in the Today Show, Women's Health, Elle, Good Morning America, and more. And Native comes in a wide variety of enticing scents for men and women. Plus, they release new limited edition seasonal scents throughout the year. My personal favorite is the coconut and vanilla scent. And let me tell you, I can be a sweaty, smelly guy during my workout, but Native has proven to me that they can hang throughout my workout. They offer free returns on exchanges in the U.S. And if you subscribe, you can save 17%, which is $2 per stick, and Native will be conveniently delivered to your door every one, two, three, or four months. I think this is a fantastic product, and I think it's worth giving it a try. If you guys want, you can save 20% off your first purchase if you visit nativedeodorant.com east and use promo code east during checkout. That's 20% off your first purchase if you go to nativedeodorant.com slash east. To revisit the draft for a second, I it comes up every year, and I always tell people it's like the biggest lesson and expectations when you're an athlete getting drafted. Because I feel like unless you're the first overall, you're like disappointed. Because yeah. there's some team out there that's like, Eric, we're going to take you in All the right. first round or the second round or, you know, like top, whatever and you don't end up going to yep. what and so anyway it's like uh it sounded like it turned out pretty good for you but yeah it did <laughs> it, i mean i'm i'm so happy that it worked out the way it did cuz you know there, there's a plan for everything god has a plan for everything and that was like my plan to go to denver and be right. in a place that 
you know, Peyton Manning came to changed the landscape of my career. And uh, I think you're, yeah, you're always, as a competitor, you're always disappointed if, if you're not the first one picked or if you're right. not looked at as the best and you're always kind of, that's what you're seeking for. You know, that's what makes individuals being good to great is, is having that mindset. And that's why, you know, we're able to kind of be where we're at because of that mindset and, and to work to get to that point. Right. When I got released from the Chiefs, how many times did he cut? So your contract ran out. Contract ran out. Got cut from New York, and then Tennessee. I signed a one-year deal. Ran out, and then I retired. You went out to New England. Went to New England, yeah, for like two weeks. Dude, I feel like (laughs) that's such a tough place to. Let me tell you something, dude. (laughs) So going into that off season, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll be blatantly honest now, and maybe I wasn't before that. My agent kept calling, you working out? Are you, are you in shape? This is like mid-August. Not mid-August. It was the end of July. It's like, yeah, yeah, I've been, I've been working every day. I'm feeling good. I mean, I really wasn't doing anything. I was kind of on the retirement mindset like, you know what? I'm comfortable. I'm, I'm in Tennessee. This is home. Uh, having, I didn't really get any calls. I took a few visits that off season, but didn't get anything serious that worked out. And uh, I was trying to be selective too. I wanted to go to a team that had a chance to win a Super Bowl. And <laughs> New England ended up winning that year, so... <laughs> I'm a little disappointed, I guess. <laughs> but I got up there, and that's a place, if you're not all in oh my mentally, physically, emotionally, you're not going to make it. And you can see why they have successes because they create this culture that breeds success. You don't want to put in the X amount of work we expect from you and, and push yourself to the limits, then this isn't the place. Yeah, right. get out. And I'm happy I went, though, too, because it was a reality check that, you know what, I am ready to step away from the game. Because that's, yeah. that's all – as athletes, you know, is, you know, you play it four or five years in college, you go to the NFL and I was fortunate to get eight years in. And at that point I was just kind of burnt out. I was like, thank you for the opportunity, but this is the end of the road right. for me. And it was a hard reality, but you know, I'm happy I did it. Cause like I said, I, I found out real quick that I wasn't invested anymore. Yeah. I've heard from, uh, from every player that I've played with who's been in New England, they're like, if you want to win football games, that's a good spot. But if you want to have like a healthy lifestyle balance, then probably not your spot. But I'm curious, <laughs> what um, <laughs> what I, I did have a lot of. I will say I had a lot of fun. I was only there for two weeks, but I had a lot of fun because the locker room, everyone appreciates one another. They know they all know they have to work hard, but they right. they did have fun. But I never really experienced the long you know season, so that might have changed things. I wonder. What made you ready to leave football? Like what made you get to that point where you were able to realize this is the end of the road? That's a great question because always something that kind of pulled me was, A, I was done moving my family around, you know, and I want to be the guy that was going year to year with three kids to different cities. And like my wife's like, we're not going to stay back and, and leave you. Right. We're going to come with you. And I got a little taste of that in camp in New England. Like I was away for two weeks and I missed my family. They came up for a preseason game and <laughs> I was like, I'm quitting. I'm, I'm coming home. She goes, no, no, you're, you're going to stick it out for another week. And I, I kept like wanting to, to just hang it up. And she kept pushing me to stay and my agent kept pushing me to stay. But that was, that was it for me. I, I missed mm-hmm. my family. I wanted to give my kids what I had growing up, which was kind of that consistency routine, a place that you know, they could flourish and build their self-confidence and build their friends and be in a place that they would enjoy. And so that that was the big ticket for me was it's not worth it. You know, financially, it's not worth it. I don't want to pull my kids around state to state. Like I can find stuff to do and we can find ways to pay the bills. But I want to be able to give my kids 
again, something that I had growing up, which was that stability and that just consistent lifestyle that I enjoyed so much. Dang. I'm, I'm, I might start tearing up here for a <laughs> Legit. I, th- I actually think you're a good guy, Eric. Oh, I appreciate for the first it. <laughs> for the first time. Oh. Uh, it's interesting. I, I don't know. I guess I've heard people say the stability aspect of it, but now that we have a kid on the way, it's like, yeah, what does that actually look like? To I mean, I've been on freaking six different teams in four years. It's like, can't do that. I don't want to do that. Yeah. Even personally, but I think your perspective changes on life too, that it's like you're an intelligent man. I mean, you could build a career out of this. And it's like, do you want to miss the moments, you know, of whether your kid's first steps or right. you know, the first time he gets on a tee and hits a ball or whatever the case may be. Like those things, you don't get back. And like, this is deep right here, but when I, when I die, it's like those moments of being away and, and making a little bit more money and enjoying selfishly what I love to do, which I already got to do it for 13 years of my life. It's like, I'm going to regret those little moments. I don't want the iPhone or FaceTime moments. Right. I want like to be there, right. you know, and I want to experience those things because that's what life's about to me. And that's what I, I feel like perceived going through, you know, having kids and moving around a little bit. I never viewed football as selfish, but I'm glad you just said that because it, it changed my perspective. Of like it kind of, to a certain extent, can be where you're like, if you have other ways of earning a living. Of means. Right. Why are you <laughs> playing football? But again, it's, 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 it's like your, your dream, passion, though. Right? And that's that's the hard balance, you know, which I guess for me, I teeter on the side of like, I've been fortunate enough, I guess, to have a longer career and do a lot of cool things and like play a Super Bowl, play along some Hall of Fame players. So maybe my perspective is skewed a little bit, but again, it doesn't change that once I start having kids and then I got cut and then started to go from team to team, like the feeling inside was real. It's like, I don't want this for my kids. Yeah. Like I love football. I still love football. I love sports, but I, I can get that, I guess, fill some other way, whether it's coaching, whether it's just being around local teams, talking football, like on a podcast or something, I can find that if I really want it. But like even physically, I wasn't all in to invest myself to play at the level that I expect myself to play at. So it's selfish for me if I'm not going to put in the work to be the best. Like I'm taking away time from my kids who really need me, you yeah. know, and, and things that matter more than, again, just, you know, what I want to do. We were talking a little bit before the show. You said right now you're kind of in this phase where you're just with the kids. Yeah. So you're kind of getting exactly what you wanted. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you're right. And it's like, it's great. And then there's times where it's like, God, I need, to, I need something to do. I need to get out of this house. Move 4,000 pounds of mulch or whatever uh, yeah. you said it was. But it's, it's been good, man, because I get to wake up. And it's like, especially after I retired, it was like this weight off my shoulders. just like oh, relief. There's no stressors from me and the pressure from outside you know whether it's coaches or friends or social media or whatever the case may be media in general it's like i'm gonna live my life i get to choose what i want to do now because i've worked hard enough to get to this point right it's been spending time with my kids so i'm curious you were like a superstar nfl player you had like you were a number three wide receiver one year and yards or whatever it was touchdowns i I know was up there one year freaking sweet yeah so not to take away from your football <laughs> career but a big thing in both your and i's life is kind of the our wives the spouse we, yeah. we, so how did you and jesse meet and then how that affect you know everything yeah. else which it did it definitely because you know it's all about balance yeah we met through a mutual friend you know it's crazy because i had a longer term girlfriend and 
we just broke up. I was in Arizona. I used to train in Scottsdale. And I was like, man, I'm going to be single for a while. Like, I'm just going to do my thing, not have to, you know, travel when I want to or, you know, just not have that, I guess. And uh, she was in the same boat. She had this boyfriend. She broke up and she was, you know, just solely music at that point. She's like, I'm just going to focus on my career, focus on me and just do my thing. So it's crazy how we were both in the same mindset in life and really kind of the same place. And I was in Arizona and this, this girl who she knew just, you know, friend through a friend was like, I got someone for you. And at that time, I'm like, oh, cool. I, I love to hang out with a girl in, in, in Arizona. What's her number? No, no, she doesn't live here. She lives in Nashville. I'm like, that, that makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't, I don't need that. Well, just, just look her up and looked her up. We started texting and I was like, you know, all right, I kind of like this girl. Like, we're really hitting it off. And I used to write paragraphs. I was this, you know, Shakespeare guy writing her, and she's writing, like, little sentences. So she's kind of, you know, making me chase a little bit. <laughs> we, we talked on the phone for three weeks. I'm like, I want to come see you. All right, come to Nashville. I'm like, I'll come to Nashville. So went to Nashville. We hung out, and I was like, this is the one. Like, I just knew at that point. And first time meeting her First time meeting her person. Woo! I know. But at that point, too, we, like – we got to know each other so much through these phone conversations. I'm saying like three weeks of like hours at night conversations. So, I mean, we got pretty deep and there's no physical part of it. You know, we, we weren't doing anything physically. So it, like we had to get to know each other right, on right, that right. kind of emotional level. So like it was the first time like I, I just felt this connection and like opened up to somebody the way I did to her. And then every weekend after that, we started hanging out and <laughs> it was like two months. I was like, move to Denver, come to Denver with me. Because she was about to move to LA and try to advance her career because the country world wasn't really accepting her. So she was more California at that time anyways. And I just pulled her in and we got engaged after a year. One year. One year. And married, you know, a year and a half after that. I mean, that definitely changed it for me too. It's like, it kind of hit me like a rock. Like I, I didn't see it coming. Didn't expect it. And just fell in love with this girl head over heels. And, you know, that was the best thing for me though. It gave me something to come back to. You know how it is when you have hard days or getting cut or just not knowing your situation. Like you have your rock, you know, like Sean's your rock. Like she understands it too, being an athlete. And for me, it was, it was just relying on her and just emotionally, you know, keep me upbeat. And it worked out, you know, she has a career. We, we figured out to balance it. And I think the more my career came to the end, she started to progress her career especially after our babies. And it's been a, a pretty sweet transition. She's my sugar mama now. So like she's <laughs> fully working, <laughs> paying the bills. And I'm at home, it's you know. Fist bump? Is yeah, that what you're I, I was, was kind of like, <laughs> okay, give me a little simulation here. I'm at home washing dishes and taking care of the babies, wiping butts, oh, changing man. diapers. Oh my but uh, yeah, it's, it, was, it was pretty wild. But um what a good story. Yeah, that's a great story. How many years were you married before you had kids? We got married uh, 2013, and Vivi was born 2014. Really? Unplanned. Wow. We figured it out. Like, she was conceived, I think, 10 days after our wedding. No, <laughs> no way. And we were kind of playing with fire at that point. Um, yeah. And, like, you know, being Catholic, you have to go through Catholic prep. So you learn how to like track ovulation and know when she's in heat. I don't know. This is a thing. I've never heard of Catholic prep in my life. Yeah. Before you get married in the Catholic church, you have to go through like kind of counseling. Okay. But also you have to learn about, because, you know, we don't like condoms and, you know, birth protection. Control. Yeah. And birth control. So you have to learn the cycle, you know, of ovulation. 
I've yeah. also never heard the word she's in heat for any other use besides dogs. Was that nice though? But, yeah. <laughs> it it's real. Yeah, for sure. No, you know what? This is a fun fact. <laughs> Hopefully she'll cut it out. But men are more attracted to women when they're in their period because they have these pheromones that just radiate. And you're just like, you know, we're, we're animals. And it's like, you know, which is interesting, isn't it? Wow. Another, <laughs> another tip from Dr. Eric. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Before we got on the show, Eric really couldn't remember a single thing. He was like, yeah, we go to church. What's it called? I can't remember. Uh, yeah, what's the... Uh, anyway, but now you're just spewing out facts. We're getting um, deep. So you did uh, You did a reality show. Yeah. Which, side note, Sean and I are considering that. So right off the bat, would you say recommend it? And I recommend it. Depends. I mean, you are who you are. So like you guys are good people. So it's not going to be an issue. I think the biggest thing is for us, we went through the process was finding the right team. And we had a couple times where we, where we stopped because it was not going down the path we anticipated, but we had an awesome production team who protected us against anything that a TV show would want to see. Yeah. And then we got some really awesome camera guys and the people that are on set or around you a lot. Like, they're my brothers now. Like, I love hanging out with them. Like, I'll call them. They're in California. But when they're in town, we hang out. So that was what gave me the comfort. And then after that, we got to kind of hand select, again, who worked around us. And it was a fun process because you get to kind of showcase, you know, for us, it was the good in leading up to your wedding, leading up to having a baby, the struggles that are real for everyone that you go through and be able to still enjoy and balance each other's lives, which was something that people wanted to see too. Was, I mean, it is hard at times, but she just got the road a couple months ago, but she was gone for four days, three days a week. And we got three kids now. And like when I was playing football, it was a lot of stress to figure out how we're going to plan things. And you know, those things that we showcased again, just, just really our lives and, and who we were. And it helped us tremendously help Jess just kind of showcase how talented she is and the kind of person she is and it allowed her to kind of build the brand that she has. This is one thing that's interesting. Like as an entertainer, people kind of expect you and Jesse to be just like fun people, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and then, well, like you're ex describing your dating process and it's yeah. like, it's a little harder to imagine like, oh wait, they actually really love each other you know what i'm saying yeah. like there's some aspect of that that because you are i don't know not not to be cliche but like we only see these fun clips of you it's like you forget that there's so much depth to that relationship to yeah. a certain extent right it's just interesting well i think just celebrities you know in general like everyone's like oh they'll last for a couple of years or they're in <laughs> yeah. it for the you know entertainment <laughs> yeah. factor but it's like right. That, you know, that wasn't the case for us. And I think for a lot of people that kind of build that foundation in your relationship and like everyone's going to have hard times and stressors because that's just life. Like right. whether it's scheduling stuff or, you know, luckily for us, our morals and values align very well. So that's what really gives us such a deep love and, you know, passion for each other. But like having kids too, I mean, it's not easy having kids because basically you're, you're unselfish to your daily schedule. Like everything revolves around the kids and like they need you to do everything in the sense for them, like provide them food, get them, you know, showered up, get them the bed, get, get them the, whatever it's a camp or whatever it may be, like that's your schedule. And so I always try to navigate through those schedules is kind of the stressor. But as long as you have really that strong foundation of love and you communicate with one another and you take the time for each other, like that's the beauty of kind of the journey of marriagehood is you know, like we're in it together forever. Is marriage a word? Marriage 
Hood. Hood. Said marriage Does say marriage hood? <laughs> <laughs> put in the put in the dictionary, I guess. Oh man! I love how you catch, you catch that. Catch that. You're awesome. <laughs> not, you're always questioning my my lingo. Inspo is that your favorite word? Is inspo, inspo you, yeah, you've said that fifteen <laughs> times already. Oh yeah, dude. Uh, I said it one time downstairs. He's got an awesome wine cellar that I've been wanting forever. I'm like, dude, this is an inspo so to get it done. Yeah. I said it one time. Oh <laughs> uh, man, do you ever miss football? Then never. I haven't. You know, last year being away and watching the games, which I loved. There's times where it's like, man, I wish I was out there for the game day. But then you realize. Monday through Saturday, how hard it is. It's like, oh, I'm good. I'm, I'm happy where I'm at. Yeah. Have you – you mentioned, like, talking about football. I'm sure there's been opportunities for you to, like, have some commentator gig. I pursued it a little bit. I did some, I guess, interview-type things. But, again, I realized, like, I don't want to have to travel right now. And to do that outside of local stuff is a flight to Connecticut or a flight to New York or a yeah. flight to L.A. or a flight to Chicago. And, and, again, that's just, like, I'm okay where I'm at. I don't need to have that. But once the kids grow up a little bit more and say have a little bit more time, you know, I would love to still do it. But maybe start our own show in Nashville would be good. Is this a proposal? Are you, are you, did you just ask me this? <laughs> what do you guys think? I <laughs> um, wow, I'm honored. I guess. Yeah. yeah, if you guys want to see that, just let us know. Yeah. Um, At Andrew East. The East, dude. Wow, freaking wow. Andrew, Andrew D. East. I'm so intrigued by you because, like, you just seem like you're content with yeah. Like in in the best way, like yeah. you're just happy. Yeah, life's good, man. I mean, I have nothing That's rare to complain about, and <laughs> I'm usually kind of a like higher stress type guy. But it's like just kind of walk myself back. Like, what am I actually like concerned about or you know anxious about? Like, my family's healthy. I'm in a good position in life. Like, I'm just gonna enjoy these days because you know I'm fortunate to have what I have. Wow. Yeah. Can you just maybe your kids will watch this in the future? I'm curious. Can you give a one sentence explanation of each of your kids? Each kids? Yeah. Vivian, who is five, she's our oldest, is a fierce leader <laughs> who is like has the biggest heart. Like yesterday, we we're sitting at um, dinner and she's just talking about how much she loves her brothers and she's so affectionate. Wow. And like as a parent, now I realize it's so important to have like the oldest who is such a good leader in that way, you know, and isn't afraid to kind of show emotions and like kiss her brother on the lips, right. you know, and just like love on him and really kind of our, our youngest is one and she'll pick him up and carry him back. Like, you okay? Grabs his blanket for him. Just oh, man. melts your heart. So she's fierce, but she is so affectionate. My middle child is the goof, <laughs> the goofball, dude. He is, first of all, he's like our recessive baby. He's three. His name's Eric junior and uh recessive so he's a blonde hair blue-eyed baby oh. and like jess and i are brown hair brown eyed yeah but he's like brad pitt <laughs> so he's gonna be a lady killer um, first of the family yeah exactly <laughs> but he's like a goofy but most sensitive kid just a sweetheart yeah. and our youngest forest is 15 months and he is the wrecking ball like that dude he's gonna <laughs> He's going to do some things because he just has this mindset like like I can do it myself and like get out of my way. And that's that's how he that's how he is and if you like pick him up or <laughs> at you, 15 months. At 15 months or you take him away from something, <laughs> he screams and and he'll hit you like he knows but he also is so observant. Like he'll watch Vivi do something or us do something and like next minute he's emulating it. It's like wow. dude, you're 15 months. I mean, it's way more advanced than I expected him to be. So uh, he's going to be 
He can do something big. Wow. All of them will, but he's crazy. Yeah. What's next for you, dude? So you you're designing houses. Is that just a side thing for Wrecking. you? Wrecking. I'm more of the, the wrecker. <laughs> I, I wreck the houses, millworks, designs, and builds it. Okay. I'll just, I'll just wreck it. But I feel like you had some say in the design of that. Um, nope. <laughs> okay. Okay. Kind of like the wrecking ball. That's all I am. Just, that's all I am. You didn't act. I'll say like, yeah, it looks really nice, or I don't like it. Sometimes that's all you need. Yeah. You didn't actually drive the crane, did you? Did you? No. Oh, that would have been Next sweet. time, I wasn't around for the... The last one, so. What do you mean? To do it. Like, uh, uh, wrecking yeah, day yeah, or the teardown was X date and I wasn't around. Gotcha. Do you think you'll stay in Nashville? I do. I love Nashville. It's fun. Good city. It's a good mix, too, because the city is growing like crazy. So you have, you know, access to a lot of things, whether it's good restaurants, right. culture, good food, which I said restaurants, entertainment. <laughs> um, but then... If you get out of town, even where we're at, like you still feel like kind of you're away from it. You're kind of in the country. You're kind of in a quiet neighborhood. So it, it has the best of both worlds for me. Yeah, it is a good balance. We like it here too. Sean's parents are moving here, so it's exciting. In law, you have in laws close, right? Is Our in laws are in Geneva? Georgia, but they make the trip up a lot. They drive four hours whenever we need them to wow. help the kids. And yeah, I think he's retiring. Steve is his name, my father-in-law. Gotcha. He's a general in the Air Force, and he's about to retire this year. Whoa. So we're trying to get him to come to Nashville so we can have some family around because it's big. Yeah. Any big projects you're working on? And then we'll get to some fan questions. You know, what's really going to keep me busy outside of like family life is Jess's brand. So we've just taken over online completely. She used to have a partner for e-commerce, and we've taken it in-house and really? doing it all ourselves. She's got a store in Nashville, but we're expanding, and we're opening one up in Florida, and then hopefully a couple different cities down the road. But like that's kind of been where I've been spending a lot of my time and energy outside of family, just helping her with the process, whether it's financial stuff, budgeting, or you know the phone calls of getting stuff done. You know, wow, yeah. businessman Eric, really coming through. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, you know. Yeah, yeah, no. All right, you ready for some fan questions? All right, come on. There's first one I just saw was why are you so hot. So that's not a question. It, I don't think it's that's... The, it's the light. It, it just has the... F- <laughs> I'm, on the I'm on the side with the good light. Uh, Mill, Millie Raleigh wants to know, which of Jesse's songs is your favorite? I think a lot of her recent music has been my favorite. Roots and Wings was mm. her last single. That is a good song. It is. Check that out right now. And it just kind of speaks you know, volumes of like, you got your roots, you got where you came from and who you are, what made you who you are, but then you got your wings and that's kind of getting out there and exploring and and growing as a person and always having your roots to come back to, which is special. Good, good answer. Elizabeth Harris 4 wants to know, any tricks to keeping the spark alive with kids? Yeah, I don't know if I have any secrets, but like I was saying before, I think the biggest thing is communication. You know, because sometimes you get lost through the days with kids and your energy levels are gone and, you know, stress levels are high. But it's like taking the time every day at some point, whether it's in the morning for you, if it's lunch, if it's at night, but just having that intimate time together, like putting the phones away, putting everything away and just focusing on one another. And for us, it's like we always take baths together because what better way than have a glass of wine, sit in a warm bath and just catching up on life. I want that right life. now. Not with you, with my wife. That sounds great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you like wine? Love vino. Wow. That's why red, I, white? That's red. Oh, I'm a Cabernet guy. That's, yeah. 
Yeah, I got you. I'm a cab guy. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> Me too. Uh, do I get a bottle before I leave? Is that how it works? That do, the, you want, do you want one? Dude, you what, can, what do you got though? I'll you show got, you. Yeah. Freak show. Freak is, show. Uh, yeah. I saw a lot of them. Our, yeah. We like it. It's good. Is that kind of inspo you, you tried to? It? No, I haven't. I'll give you a bottle. We'll have to pop a cork one day or night. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. Daisy, last one. Daisy Satterfield wants to know what's your favorite food. Mm, tough question because I'm not hard to please, but I love some good occasion food. Really? Yeah. That's probably last on my list, but I'm Gumbo? not judging you. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, man. You're probably like a meat potato. <laughs> Dude, g- you're from the Midwest. Give me too. a steak. And, yeah, <laughs> I mean, that was my answer then. My palate's growing. I love, okay. I, okay. I love sushi and like wood burning pizzas. I love some pizza. Like wood-burning oven, though. Like the Neapolitan yeah. type, the thin. Yeah, like awesome. you're sticking the wood in the oven, and you're putting the pizza in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <That kind> of, <laughs> so that's Napoleon, yeah, sure. Do you cook? Do you cook? Uh, breakfast. Okay. Yeah. Eggs. Nice. That's about it, yeah. Sweet. Good job. Yeah. Put that and I make, make banana bread every once in a while. And I grill. It's kind of my specialties. Gotcha. Jess is a phenomenal cook, so I don't need to get my hands dirty. Okay. I was in with two questions. Yeah. What are your goals now? Goals now. Great question. Actually, I started with Jess, our like one-year goal, five-year goals now. What do we want? And it's always, you know, healthy, happy babies. For us, it was to move into like our forever home because if you don't know, we've moved maybe 20 times in the last eight years. And I think we found it. So that we check that one off. But also for me, it's like, you know, to help really kind of grow her brand. I feel like I've kind of accomplished my goal or my dream in life in the sense of playing football. And now it's like focusing on my kids. So short term, I can't think of anything that I really want to do besides like keep myself busy, you know, and and having something to wake up and like, all right, I'm going to go do this today, which might be picking weeds. I don't know. Yeah. So there's always something for me or to do. Or getting interviewed by some or, Dumbo. Yeah. I don't know about that. <laughs> good, good hair, good hair Dumbo. Uh, um, so I guess kind of helping her grow her brand. And then it's just like always a trip or taking you know time away. Like that's always something we try to block out, which is crazy to say a goal, but it's a goal for us because things can get lost real fast throughout a year with how busy we get. So that's kind of my goals right now. What are three takeaways that you've learned over your 32 years to this point that you think could apply to the audience? Wow. That's awesome. Three things are like three life lessons, three life lessons. You know, um, I think honestly the biggest one would be just to like not have any regrets. It's just like the path I took would I've expected it when I was 10 or 20. No, but like I'm happy with the path I took, whether it's choosing the career, making the sacrifices to be, you know, personally where I am. Like it's those things that get you to where you are and not regretting how you got there. Cause like I said, there's always a plan. That's the biggest thing. The second thing is just to, just to enjoy the moment. I have a hard time sometimes cause I'm such a planner and have some OCD about me, but like, you know, I always want to like make sure things are accomplished and this is kind of what I want to do this week, but like really just indulging in, in the moment, you know, whether that's like jumping in the pool with the kids or just sitting back, having a glass of beer with a buddy and catching up. Like those things are moments that are important. And I just want to enjoy those moments and not like be lost in thoughts, you know, or on my phone of, all right, where's my to-do list, you know, in that sense. And the third one is just give my kids, I guess, like fill them up with confidence. And, you know, I guess it's not really a lesson learned through my life, but it's something that has become important as I went through my path and now having children, 
is like build your kids up, build people around you up, find mm. that good circle of people, but then build them up because that's what life also is about is giving people, you know, the confidence to do things and jump into, you know, whether it's, it's chances or opportunities that they might be scared of, like go for it, you know, like live your dream. And just, I guess that's the biggest thing is just build people up because there's so much hate and negativity in our world, you know? And it's like, if you have a small circle that can help each other get through this life and build each other up and do cool things, I mean, again, that's what it's all about. I appreciate you taking the time to be here. I really, really admire your priorities. And it seems like family is, is what you say is the top priority, but it's also what is your top priority. And I also feel like you're one of the rare people that exceeds your reputation. So you have oh. a fantastic reputation, but, uh, anyway, I'm going to stop. I appreciate that, man. Keep it coming. I like it. Come on. What else you got? No, but I had fun though was, too. Yeah. That was a good time. I'm happy we made it work. We try to make it work multiple times and obviously scheduling did not, but we got to do this again, man. I really enjoy hanging out with you. Thanks for taking the time away from the kids. Seriously. Yeah. Appreciate that. I know yeah. that's big. So how do we end it? Do we end up with a kiss or? Uh, oh. <laughs> <Hey, laughs> <laughs> If you haven't yet, please make sure that you subscribe to the podcast and leave a review if you feel called to. It really helps the show out. And um, I love having a new audience. I love hearing what you guys think. And I love having you come back every single week.